Welcome to Co-Pilots, the podcast where we watch not just the first episode of a show, but also the second. Some shows just don't have the best pilot episode, and giving it that second chance might just sway your mind. Here, we take that chance for you, and let you know our opinion on if a show deserves more than one shot. I'm Justice. Alongside me is my co-pilot, Josh. Now, let's get ready for takeoff. Your in-flight entertainment this week will be Wolf Like Me. Is a 2022 Peacock original? Mm, it's not actually a Peacock original. Is it not? Nope. That's a lie told to the American public. It's actually a Stan original. S T A N period. Um, I don't know what that is, but okay. It's a production and streaming company from Australia, partnered with Peacock in the United States, ah. and is Peacock's distributor in Australia. Okay. So it's not a Peacock original, but it is distributed by Peacock in the states. Okay. So it's a show you can watch on Peacock in America. Yeah. yeah. Episode one is entitled Episode One. Yeah. Gotta love it when they do that. I actually kind of do love it when they do that. Because sometimes episode titles give stuff away. Yeah. Although I've never, ha- I've never had the episode one title being pilot give anything away. I'm like, ooh, who's going to be the pilot in this episode? And, and there's never a pilot. Yeah. There's very rarely a pilot. It's weird. You think it'd be more, I don't know, accurate with that, but whatever. But episode one starts with a Groucho Marx quote. Blessed are the crack, for they shall let in the light. Yes. I don't know who Groucho Marx is. I know he's a comedian. Yeah. I don't really know who he is, though. Funny glasses guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, the Groucho glasses thing. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, that's my cultural <laughs> like awareness of Groucho Marx. Uh, this doesn't sound like a joke. Yeah. And I don't quite understand the context of this quote. Like, within the show, I kind of understand what it's talking about. because The show is very much about broken people. Yes, very much so. Uh, all three of our main characters, the term broken would aptly describe them. Yeah, I would say so. But I don't understand what this quote is like. Well, the context of the quote was for Groucho. Like, when Groucho said, blessed are the crack, for they shall let let in the light, I don't know what the fuck he was talking about. Like, I mean, I don't know. Comedians don't always have to tell jokes, though, so I think it's fine. No, they always have to tell jokes. That's what a comedian is. Oh, damn. (laughs) So we start this episode with Josh Gad at a restaurant with some random lady. I want to get this out of the way from, from the get-go. You know how some people have like very punchable faces and you just want to punch them? Yes. Josh Gad has that face for me. I think he's a wonderful actor. Like I started looking at his IMDb the other day and I was like, God, he's, he's Yeah, Josh Gad's great. I love him. It's part of the reason I was interested in the show. I was like, oh shit. And then I'm like, God, I just want to punch him in the face. So Josh's reasoning for that, as he told me when watching, because I couldn't <laughs> comprehend it was i didn't think josh i don't think that's gad, the whole reason okay i don't think yeah, this yeah, is yeah. the whole reason but but part of the reason he gave me was josh gad just looks too happy most of the time he always looks happy the dude is like which is a good thing people should be happy but like it irritates me how happy he looks all the time also he doesn't look that happy throughout most of the show in my opinion he looks pretty fucking sad because that's his character uh, i mean yes he's battling depression in the show he still looks happy uh he's very good at masking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the show opens on Josh Gad's character, and he's getting dumped by his girlfriend. They've been dating for three months. Yeah, and he's okay with it. Like he's just like, yeah, if this. If you don't think this is what's best for you, that's fine. I understand. Uh, you know. Like, well, well, also his girlfriend's a psycho. Oh yeah, and she's just like, we've been dating for so long. You haven't really opened up to me. Blah blah blah. And he's like, well, yeah, but I have a daughter. I want to make sure like this relationship is good before. This girlfriend's complaining because she hasn't met his daughter. They've been dating for probably a little less than three months. Yeah. Or- about three months she just says three months but like he has a daughter she's 11 her mom just her mom died at some point in, in the recent past and uh 
Se- seven years ago, because I think he says uh, when she was four. Okay, so not recent past, but her mom has died, so he's a single parent attempting to raise a daughter who with, lost their mother. With severe anxiety problems, as we'll learn in a bit, and depression, as we'll learn in a bit. And he just doesn't think it's a good idea to introduce this woman to his daughter at this stage in their relationship. And he's completely right. Yeah. And she's a psycho. She's like, you just don't think I'd be a good mother, do you? And he's like, dude, I've known you for three months. I don't think you're, I don't know if you're going to be a good mother. We've known each other for three months. Oh, yeah. And so she's like causing a scene here and everything. And he's just like, hey, can, can you not? And she's like, you don't get to take this away from me. I'm Why the one breaking control- up with you. Yeah. Why are you such a controlling asshole? And he's just like, what? And she's like, you're just antiquated, like the dinosaurs. And he's like, okay. She's like, do you know what happened to the dinosaurs? They were killed by a meteor because they weren't prepared. And he's just like, I don't think anyone can be prepared for a meteor. And she's like, well, you're certainly not. It's just, what the fuck, lady? Like, damn. And then she storms out of the restaurant, yeah. where they're, which we didn't say that. They're at a restaurant getting mm-hmm. lunch, maybe. Doesn't seem like it's late enough for dinner. Yeah. And he's just exasperated. And that's kind of just the end of the opening scene. He's just like, what the fuck was this? And then we cut to Josh Gad preparing sandwiches Mm -hmm. and lunch stuffs and it turns out it's the morning he's prepping his daughter's lunch for school Mm -hmm. he yells that they're gonna be late if she doesn't hurry up he doesn't get a response so he like goes and knocks on her door still no response knocks again and then eventually opens the door she scoldingly says like dad and he's like he closes the door he's like sorry she was working on a model of the solar system yes So he goes to help her get stuff out the door, and she's just like, I got it. And I can do it myself. Yeah, she's very cold to him. Yeah, like, we don't know everything about what's going on with her right now. We don't even know that her mom's died. Like, that's not a thing we know yet. It just really felt like both his ex-girlfriend and his daughter were, like, both a little psycho. Like, his daughter, <laughs> like, is like, no, I don't need you. Go away. Yeah. Like, and his girlfriend was like, I only need you. Please open up. I, I, <laughs> I, I want to know your daughter. Like, yeah. Don't take this away from me. I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> so they're running late. They're in their car. They're driving in. His daughter is getting pretty anxious about being late. Like she's flicking the window switch. She's annoyed about traffic. And she tells him to go away than a different way than they normally go because she's super worried about being late. And he, at first he's just like, we'll be fine. Like we can just, and she keeps like, no, we're going to be late. Go this way, go this way. So he does. Mm, hold on. At a stoplight, she rolls her window down mm-hmm. and waves over a homeless man and gives him her lunch. Yeah. And then Gad goes to follow her directions and turn and go, like, a different way. Well, that happened right after he went a different way. Oh, I thought that was right No, because they, they hit a stoplight, like, right after she okay, tells him yeah, to go yeah, a different yeah. way, which yeah. amused me because she was complaining about shit like that. Yeah, and then she gives the homeless man her food. Mm-hmm. He's panhandling at car windows and stuff. Yeah. And as they pull away, her dad's like, you can't be doing that. He could be dangerous. You don't know, like, she's yeah. like he's homeless. How dangerous could he be? And, you know... I'm a little bit on both sides here. Like, yeah, if you have the means to help other human beings out, Do help so. them out. However, you're also in a large metropolitan area, and it's not uncommon for people to like literally steal people's cars by posing as homeless people. Yeah, and or- he's just, and, yeah, and he was just like, no, I understand, but like, it's my job as a parent to keep you safe. And then they get t-boned. Yes, because- they're not in the wrong here at all. They're driving through the lights. No, it's just, green. it's just a very good juxtaposition between him and me like it's my job to keep you safe and then t-boned and then another car hitting them directly in the side yeah and then we get the intro which, which is a, some a visualization of like blood cells and yep. muscles and blood and, and oh. a nice like kind of groovy jazz guitar i labeled it an indie rock sound that works too yeah yeah it's got like an indie rock basically it, it looks like it should be the opening for a medical drama yeah yeah it does like if this was 
if House didn't exist in 2000-whatever and it still came out in 2022, this would be the House OP? Yeah, I can see it. So we get back from that, and this accident was actually kind of fucking bad. Like, they were T-boned, they flipped, rolled a bit. Yeah, no, they flipped. Their car was also sitting at an angle. Like, I thought the car was totaled. Yeah, I, I also thought the car was totaled, which is why when we see it in their driveway <laughs> later, I was like, why would you have them bring it to your house? Yeah. You, you should have had it, like, towed to, like, either a junkyard or a mechanics, because there's no way that's drivable after that. Yeah, it's weird. So, after Lynch, we're back at the accident, and... We start with Josh Gad, and he's just sitting here like, oh, no, no airbags, no airbags. And he looks back at his daughters having a full-blown panic attack. He could sue the manufacturer of his car, right? Yes. Because airbags didn't His deploy, airbags didn't deploy. And that, like, de- that wreck definitely should have... Yeah, definitely should have done so. So he's like, hold on, hold on, Emma. I'll be right there. And he's getting out of the car. And as he's doing that, we see someone tear off around to the other side towards his daughter's car door and pull it open. And it's Isla Fisher. Yep, the, the other star of the show. The other reason I was like, I saw the show and I was like, I like Josh Gad. Neat. Oh shit, there's also Isla Fisher. It's nice that there's a leading actor oh. in the show who I don't want to punch in the face. <laughs> no offense, Josh Gad, you're a great actor. But yeah, so he's like, hold on, I, I she, this has happened before, I can help, uh, give me a second. He like goes running looking for a book bag and stuff, mm-hmm. and Isla Fisher's character is like just sitting in front of Emma, mm-hmm. and he finds her stuffed wolf, which is like her comfort item. Yes, and goes to give it to her. I thought he was like looking for an inhaler or something. He's like her yeah, panic attack my, very much. That's what like my asthma thought attack. was. Yeah, and so he grabs this wolf and takes it back to her to like help her with this panic attack. But by the time he gets back, she's perfectly fucking fine. In fact, she's laughing a bit. Yeah, Isla Fisher's character has already calmed her down and like got the panic attack to, mm-hmm. to subside. And he's like, "How did you do that? What did you do?" Yeah, and the homeless guy while munching on a sandwich goes, "I'll tell you what." She she did she wrecked into your car homeless dude is like i i hope he just becomes a background character who makes <laughs> observations that'd be He's, great he is in episode two as well yes so i just want him to be like a background character who's like the watcher <laughs> yeah so then we cut back to josh gad's house and isla fisher's character shows up at the door well we don't cut to his house we, not not initially we cut to oh. isla fisher uh, walking yeah, yeah, yeah. down walking. a road yeah um with a book in her hand and then we see it's his house she knocks on the door emma opens the door with a neck brace on and isla fisher's just like i'm so sorry and then she's like i got you this book because i i broke your universe she's talking about the solar system model mm-hmm. the book is contact by carl sagan yeah i know this is gonna make me sound insanely uncultured but uh I didn't know Carl Sagan wrote novels. Because this says Contact, mm-hmm. a novel by Carl Sagan. Yeah. Like, unlike Groucho Marx, I know who Carl Sagan fucking is. Yeah. I didn't know he wrote novels. I didn't yeah. realize he was also a novelist. That's that's like if you told me Neil deGrasse Tyson is writing novels. Oh, God. His would be so horribly hard sci-fi. Yes. And also, they would have a, t- they'd have a very pretentious tone. Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson like is a fine person, but he probably always good... sounds like he's better than you. Yeah, there'd probably be good humor and stuff and i you know i trust that there might be a good story but it'd be kind of pretentious and the hard sci-fi would probably be enough to just bore you to fucking tears because i have to assume he wouldn't explain it diegetically yeah the expanse is a hard sci-fi show but it explains itself diegetically within story it's also so good yeah i might actually read those books at some point so josh gad walks up behind his daughter and even takes the book and he's just like well say thank you and his daughter just like turns kind of glances up at him and then walks into her room and shuts the door and then Mary goes to leave. She's like, oh, this is awkward. This is bad. I shouldn't have come here. This is yeah. harassment. I'm sorry. And like, she goes to walk off and Gad chases after her. And he's like, no, you, we should get, you, you should come in for tea. Yeah. 
I mean, you should come in for G. I mean, my name's Gary. You should come in for T. Yes. And so we learn both their names. It's Liz Fisher's character's name is Mary. And Josh Gad's character name is Gary. And the homeless man's name is Barry. No, it's Terry. <laughs> come on, man. Uh, so they go inside and he's fixing them tea and they're kind of just talking. And in this moment, we learn that Gary is ex. He calls her his ex-wife. And then he's just like, I don't know why I said ex-wife. She's dead. Emma's mother is dead. She died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And then Mary's like, oh, that was probably a bad book to give your daughter. Then the main character is a little girl whose and mother died. Yeah. And he's like, she lives oh, with her it'll, it'll, it should be fine. And, and then like, she's like, and then her dad dies too. And he's like, she might like that part. Yeah. And he chuckles and like, it's actually, a, it's a really good scene all throughout here. And so we see Mary kind of just looking around. Josh Gad is in the background doing stuff with T and he cuts his hand open. Breaks a mug, yeah. Yeah, he breaks a mug and cuts his hand open. And his hand is gushing blood, mm-hmm. and they both start freaking out. And he's like, I'm going to go get a bandage for it. And she's like, no, I'll go get the bandage. Tell me where to get it. Yeah. Which, I get that she's trying to be helpful, but in a, in a something when something like this happens and you're in an unfamiliar environment, you should probably let the person who knows the environment seek the medical aid. Yeah. Unless they're unable to. Yeah. Like, I understand part of your point is like, keep rinsing your hand under water, but... So he directs her to their bathroom, and she goes in, she opens the um, medicine cabinet, medicine cabinet, and is looking around for stuff, and in it we see a box of fluoxetine, which is an antidepressant medication. It's We don't know whether it's Gary's or Emma's, but so we do know at least someone in the house is being diagnosed with depression and yes. has medicine to combat it. Yep, so go, go out in the living room. Oh, actually, there's a brief scene here between Mary and Emma, where Emma's like, asks mary if she meant what she said yeah after the accident and emma was like you you don't know me how do you know that 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 we felt the same and mary's just like i've been there yeah i get it yeah it was literally just about being scared because i kind of talk about it there's all there was also a moment we kind of skipped with Mm -hmm. the neck brace at the very beginning oh yeah where mary's like i read it i read this book at your age and it really helped me out and Emma's like you don't even know what my age is and mary's like 11 and then emma goes i'm 12 in two months yeah yeah, classic kid thing of like, fuck. Well, I'm almost this age. I loved that. It was like it was great. It was just yeah. it was sassy. It was like the most emotion we've gotten from Emma in throughout the show. So you don't far. know how old I am. Eleven. Well, fuck you. I'm twelve and two months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if I asked you again in the sixty-one days, you'd be you'd have been wrong. <laughs> yeah. So Mary and Emma are talking, and they kind of just stagnate in their conversation. And then Mary kind of remembers, "Oh shit, yeah. Uh, your dad, your dad's bleeding all over the fucking kitchen. I should go do that." So she helps bandage up Gary's hand, mm-hmm. and then they go outside to drink their tea. Mm-hmm. And we get a little bit of like background on Mary here because uh, Gary, Gary kind of does a interrogation. It's it's vaguely it is actually not more than vaguely it is incredibly awkward socially mm-hmm. but i also kind of get it because it's just like you just randomly showed up my house you, you crashed into my car like it feels fine it's just like ah, that's a weird conversation to have but understandable it should be noted at this point in the show we've seen four characters speak we've had mm-hmm. mary gary terry and emma speak yes um mary and gary speak with with american accents mm-hmm. and both terry and emma speak with australian accents also we heard more people speak we heard background voices after the accident that's fair. and they were also australian we've had four named characters speak <laughs> yes because terry was definitely named <laughs> we named him you know what you make a fair point <laughs> so they're both kind of just talking and mary asks how gary ended up here in australia and he's just like well 
it's where Miss Mom was from. We moved here, and after she died, I just didn't feel like I had the right to take my daughter away from and my her 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 mother her Lisa's. mother's family. Yeah, Lisa's yeah. family, especially because Lisa's family helped out a whole bunch while yeah she was dying of cancer. So yeah, and so he turns the question back on Mary, and Mary's just like, well. I travel a lot, and I don't really need to be anywhere specific to do my job. Yeah, and she's from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chicago. So he asks her what she does, and she's like, oh, well, I volunteer at places. I do... And then she's like, oh, quilting you admit, and stuff like you that. what I do for a job. Yeah, and she is a columnist for the newspaper, and she writes advice columns. A dear what's-it column. Yeah. I don't remember what her name was. Her... Dear Adelaide. Adelaide, yeah, because they live in Adelaide, so her, mm-hmm. her, pen, her pen name is Adelaide, Dear Adelaide, but it's a Dear What's-It's article yeah. type, where people write in Dear Ball, Dear Fake Name, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm having these issues signed, most typically like... A letter. Like, no, like, they sign it with, like, people, when they when they people write to these type of articles, they, they go, Dear What's-It, or, like, mm-hmm. Dear Adelaide, blah, 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 signed, Sleepless in Melbourne. Well, the, the thing is, like, from what I know, a lot of them don't actually do that. That is they, the columnist changing to, like, they, yeah, they, they, they either, the names. yeah, they either change the name to a letter or to base problem. Yeah, so that's what she does for a job. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, what do you need to do that? And we learned she has an undergraduate degree in psychology and that she kind of just couldn't handle more school, apparently, something like that. And he's like, eh, that makes sense. And then we hear a clatter from inside the house. And Gary's distracted. He looks back in the house. And while he's distracted, Mary takes her teacup and she's like, this is really awkward. This is really weird. Uh, I need to escape. Breaks teacup. She fucking spikes the thing into his porch. And he startedly turns back around. And he's like, are you okay? You, you're covered in tea. Basically, she was like, hey, you guys remember that Lonely Island Band song? <sighs> I knew this reference was coming. Because <laughs> she, she threw it on the ground? Yeah. So he's like, okay, I'm going to go get a towel and everything. And goes inside and he's like, yelling, do you need ice or anything? And she takes off. Takes off running. Opens the gate in the backyard and just keeps going. So he comes back out and sees the gates open, follows her, and he kind of chases her down the street again. She's like, are we really doing this again? Look. And she's like, I shouldn't come here. It's really awkward. It's not okay. And he's like, no, no, it's fine. Do you want to get lunch tomorrow? We can talk about things more. And she's like, no, it's fine. He asks about dinner and she's like, no, I can't. And he's like, what about lunch? Well, I I paused for a moment there because I kind of missed a fun line. Oh, yeah. And she's talking about how awkward it is. And he's like, and she's like, look, you're a nice guy. I crashed into you. Your daughter's hurt and everything. I wrecked your car. And she's like, yeah, and I am still going to sue you. But would you like to get dinner? And she's like, yeah. I can't. And he's like, lunch? No, he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I completely overstepped my bounds. And she's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I can't do dinner. Yeah, and then they agree on lunch. Yes. Cut to them sometime later. Walking down the street. And Gary takes her to his favorite Italian place. Mm-hmm. Um, but then she freaks out about yeah. the Italian place and runs off. So he follows after he's like, "Are like, is this is this our thing? Do we do we like yeah have a conversation and then you just run away and I have to chase you? Yeah, because so, if so, that's gonna get really old really fast. Yeah. So he's like, "Is there a problem or anything?" She's like, "I can't eat there. I'm I'm vegan." And he's like, "Well, they have this great non-vegan." And she's like, "No, no, no, it's fine." And he's like, "Is it a gluten thing?" And she's like, "No, no, no." Ooh, how about here and drags him into an underground bar? Yep. They have wine. They bond. They talk. Not a whole lot here, like as far as what's what happens in the show. No, um, not really. We learned that she really likes music, and he doesn't really listen to music anymore. He used to sing Emma to Sleep, but... Yeah, he used to sing, um, oh, Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House to his daughter to help her sleep. And so she gets him to sing the song because the music stops in the bar. Yes. And... 
Yeah, so, like, there's not a lot of, like, action. And, like, honestly, when we get to what we like about the show, I'm going to dive back into that point. Yeah. But they get to know each other a little better. She mentions that she's in Adelaide because her husband died. Yes. And... While they were backpacking in Europe. Yeah. And then they almost kiss. Mm -hmm. She gets up really fast. Well... A new song starts, and she gets up really fast. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems to be triggered by the song. And she's like, I can't do this. I shouldn't have got day drunk like this. I I have to go. And he's like... Well, I I don't think you can really call it day anymore. And And she's like, what? Yeah, he he makes that stupid joke. He's like, it's not day anymore. (laughs) And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, it's six. And she's like, fuck! And tears off. Like, sprints nonstop max speed all the way through town. And she gets back to her house, where she locks herself... In what I thought was a vault, but I later realized was a basement. Yeah, and that's the end of this episode. Yeah. So you, we want to get into what you like about episode one. Uh, my favorite part of episode one: we don't have any heavy-handed exposition anywhere in this. Yeah, I mean, there's like, a lot of like awkward dialogue. Yeah, but... there's awkward dialogue that is exposition, but it doesn't feel heavy-handed or like expositing to exposit. It feels very much like actual good character interaction. So, like when I say awkward dialogue, I don't mean like. It feels like the writing is bad, no. or like the dialogue is awkward because it's meant to exposit. Yeah, it's meant to be awkward. Yeah, it's it's two people who have an awkward relationship trying to communicate with one another. Yeah, and it it's great. So my favorite part of this entire episode is no heavy-handed exposition. It does its exposition well, and I really liked it. Relationship here being crashy and crasher. Uh, yeah. <laughs> those are the correct terms, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Okay, yeah, so... I also really like the lack of actual over-exposition, mm-hmm. but also there's a very nice, subtle character building going on here, where like we get details about the characters through how they interact with each other, rather than through like blatant character statements. Again, yeah. I know I mentioned it last time I recorded an episode, but I've restarted Buffy recently. Mm-hmm. I like Joss Whedon's works. He's a terrible human being, yeah. but he's not the best at overt character building. At God, subtle no. character building. Yeah. Very it's good. all over. It's all over, yeah. I think the best thing about the show, though, in an age of television where, like, the big shows that people talk about are, like, these giant, sprawling, like, epics. Yeah. The Witcher, Game of Thrones, stuff like that. Stuff that has, like, super, like, dense character stories and, like, dense world building. Mm-hmm. This show is, is really comfortable just being about three people yeah very much so like in this first episode the only like we don't really hear anyone ever really have any important lines besides these three like there's only three named characters in this episode sorry i mean Terry. no we get some other names because i don't really remember them but gary walks into the italian restaurant mm. and he greets the people by name because apparently this place has been ran here for like the last 60 something years something by like the that same family by yeah. the same family and he's like giving people hugs and saying their names and stuff so he's been there a lot and he seems very welcome yeah. Which has to make it even more awkward for him when he's just at a bell all of a sudden. Yeah. Onwards to episode two, which is also entitled episode two. Mm-hmm. And when the episode starts with Gary knocking on the bathroom door, telling well, Emma it's time for bed. No. No? The episode starts on a pan shot of an arm that at first I couldn't tell if it was like in a sleeve or anything because it's a like nude peach shirt mm-hmm. and like a moon on the sleeve and stuff. And they're laying on what looks like a tile floor and then we see water creeping. Yeah. And then Gary's knocking on a bathroom door. And water's flooding out of the bathroom. He's knocking on the door. He's like, Emma, it's bedtime. You need, we need to go to bed. Emma, this, I don't have time 
to play around right now. Like, we we can't do this right now. And then he notices the water coming out from under the door. He kicks the door down, and Emma's lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. And we immediately cut to a scene of him speeding down, I want to say a road, like a street. Mm-hmm. But, like, it looked like a four lane, so it might be a highway. Yeah. I mean, he does end up on a street here. It would be an inner city highway, mm-hmm. but, like, a highway nonetheless. He's just fucking tearing through the city of Adelaide to a hospital. Does Australia have highways? Is that what they're called there? I don't fucking know. It's why I didn't care to see what it was. A street. He's speeding down a street. Yeah. Or a road. A road generally works. Road is a better term. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So he pulls into the ER and like panics because Mm -hmm. his daughter's unconscious. And And he starts yelling for help and people come out and we hear him kind of explain the situation, but uh, the sound mutes and we go to our intro again. Yep. And then sitting in in, like the waiting area of the hospital, Mm -hmm. his sister-in-law shows up and has brought Emma's comfort animal and Mm -hmm. not much else, it seems. Yeah. And she sits down next to him and he's just like, do you think this is my fault? Do you think what I did caused this? And that threw me for a loop. I was like, what did he do? (laughs) Right. And she's just like, no, you can't blame yourself. It's not on you. Like, it should be fine. She's going to be fine, right? And he's like, yeah, they said she should be okay. His sister-in-law gets a name, but I have Mm -hmm. forgotten what that is. Ah, I don't remember either. Also to note, his sister-in-law is very pregnant. Yes. So they're sitting there and she's just comforting him because he is very like worried, anxious, and depressed at the moment because, well, his daughter, as we learn in this, just tried to commit suicide. Mm. His sister-in-law's name is Sarah. Sarah, that's, yeah, what, that's it what it was. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, his uh, his daughter just tried to commit suicide and for some reason we don't know, he feels responsible. Like, he might have caused it. Yep. Then the doctor tells him that his daughter's awake, but as he's going into the, her room, a medical professional of some sort is like, next time you really just need to call an ambulance. Yeah. But honestly, not necessarily. It depends on like, how close he is, how far away he is. What he should have done, at least if it works similarly to, I don't know, you know, American systems, was... Never call an ambulance in America because they cost money. <laughs> True. I was going to say, call the hospital on your way to let them know so you would make sure to have staff at the entrance. Because uh, you, you can do that. You can call a hospital ahead and be like, hey, I'm coming in with an emergency. And you can explain the situation over and they'll have things prepared generally. Yeah. Because, fun fact, yeah, sometimes it's not the best to wait for an ambulance. Like, they're not wrong. They live in a major metropolis. There's probably an ambulance on patrol nearby. And they do have a lot of things there that can help with instances of suicide, depending on what it is. Like, I assume she, I, I don't, I assume she tried to overdose on something. Yeah, we learned that in the next scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we Yeah, it doesn't stay outright, but we do learn that. Which is, an, yeah. that's the best part about this show, because we now know who's phylloxetine. Phylloxetine. We now know who the phylloxetine belonged to, and we also learn that, like, she was self-regulating her medical intake. Mm-hmm. Because after this scene, we go to a psychiatrist's office, where she is sitting. And the psychiatrist's the- first question is, well, the first question we hear from the psychiatrist is, why? Did you want to hurt yourself? And, like, she she eventually talks about how she didn't want to hurt herself. She just didn't want it to happen again. Yeah, she doesn't say what it was. And he's like, do you mean the anxiety attacks? And then he's like, okay, well, obviously the fluoxetine isn't working. We're so going to switch to a new medication. Because if the fluoxetine was working, you would, <laughs> wouldn't be here. Yeah. Uh, I mean, she would have still been here. She probably sees a psychiatrist regularly. Yeah, yeah. I think he, even in this situation, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, I think the psychiatrist has a New Zealander accent. Like, it, it feels like kind of heavier i don't know the differences uh, i'm gonna sound like a stupid american but Look, sometimes i have trolled in, in my brain it sounded more like reese darby in um what we do in the shadows than like australian if that makes sense yeah. it sounded much more like we're werewolves not swear wolves that's how my brain goes on things okay 
Uh, what we do in the shadows is excellent. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. I haven't seen the show, but the, the show movie, is also pretty good. The movie, oh god. So, anyways, he's like, okay, we'll just have Dad be in charge of the medicine this time, which is obviously where we learned. You know, she probably kept the medicine back up and then took a lot of it at once. Mm-hmm. So it it does tell us how she tried to do it. Just oh. in show, not blatantly stated. And my god, am I happy with that fact? I don't think I realized how many shows. Just blatantly tell you information or exposit everywhere until we started doing this podcast. It's actually like it's so bad. There's so many things I do it and uh, it's a gross over like how to reliance on like bad storytelling. Yeah, and like it, it's obvious that as of somebody consuming this media that it comes from a point of a place of like directors or writers not trusting their audience mm-hmm. to understand or grasp these mm-hmm. things, which and it, is blatantly insulting. Oh, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a line between insanely subtle storytelling where you have to start like asking like, yeah, or expositing the same thing three times because you have three different narratives and you're telling you're telling the same oh, yeah. same exposition three times like even here i could understand being like so at first if you don't know what phylloxetine is and you see it in the medical cabinet i had no idea what it was yeah you're not really laying a click on it you might notice that it's kind of important because it's the only thing we see a name of and it's kind yeah, of centered like, in the medicine cabinet i immediately saw it and was like oh that's vaguely important okay. yeah and i was like oh that's an anti-depression medication because if you I, hadn't said anything i was just i was just gonna be like i, I had to learn about that shit and I was like, that's an anti-depression medication. And, but like, even if you didn't know that, when you got to this point in the scene, you'd be like, oh, that was probably an antidepressant. Even if your first thought wasn't like me, you'd be like, oh, I don't know what that is. What, Google, what is fluoxetine? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what fluoxetine is. Now I know. Yeah. And so, like, it's not too hard. Like, I could believe it's an antidepression medication. It's also sometimes used in treatment of OCD. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, like. The show explains things really well. And sure, there might be a few moments where you're like, I'm not entirely sure I get that. But the show goes about explaining it well enough without doing it overly and still lets you understand the show. So Emma finishes her meeting with the psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and she goes outside to meet her father and she's like, where's the car? He's like, I took it home and walked here. I figured we could walk and like spend some time together. She's like, I just wanted to go home. I had PE today. I I don't need more exercise. Yeah. I had PE. So I, it's nothing about the show. It's more about just the location for the shooting. I I'm mainly just confused about how sidewalks work in Australia because there aren't there aren't sidewalks. There is a paved stone path from the building where the psychiatrist is down to almost the street. I say almost the street because then we just hit like a patch of grass that then goes to the curb and then the road. And the buildings along the path all the way down do the same thing. We just end up on grass and there's no sidewalk. Is sidewalk just not a thing in Australia? Do you guys not have sidewalk? I mean, we don't have sidewalk in large portions of the United States. Yeah, but that's just because we hate our... Pedestrians. Pedestrians. Like, that's they still had more room next to the side of the road than we do. We we, we simultaneously hate pedestrians and public transportation. Yeah. What, that, what? That's it. That's all I had to say. Like, it, it, my brain just went, that looks weird. I so, have no problems with it. It just looked weird on my brain because it was just paved stone, grass road. So, there's not a lot that happens on this walk home. No, they're just kind of walking. There's not even a lot of, like, character building or conversation mm-hmm. happening. We do cut to the next morning. I think it's the next morning. It could yeah. be the morning two weeks from now. The show doesn't have very, like, good sense of time. Yeah, no. We learn a bit of a time thing later in this episode that... That, it's, that at some point in the show, it's been three weeks since mm-hmm. him and uh, Mary went out for lunch. Yes. Three weeks. And then we learn that it's actually been a month. Yep. Since but... the accident. No. A uh, month since then? Okay. Mm-hmm. Because, jumping ahead real fast, his, Sarah is like, yeah, you need to go out. It's been three weeks since you've been on a date. And then uh, he bumps into Mary again later, and she, he's like, I don't think it's been three said... weeks since she, It's been three weeks since I last saw you, and she's like, actually a month. 
because the month comes into play being important because spoiler alerts if you didn't get it from the title of the show or the fact that uh mary has a basement that she locks herself into she's a werewolf Mm -hmm. um not a werewolf and so he says it's been three weeks since he's been on a date i don't think sarah says it's been three weeks since she's been on a date. i think she just says it's been three weeks and my assumption there was that it'd been three weeks since emma had hurt herself because my assumption was sarah was very much like it's fine. You can leave your daughter here for the night. Then why does he specifically take that three weeks and apply it to him and Mary? Because he's like, it's been three weeks since. And she's like, no, it's been a month. I don't know. I didn't really think about that. My mind like didn't kind of gel those bits together. I That's why I assumed she was talking about going I mean, on a date. It could technically be both because he got back, assumingly from that very late. And his like he, he seemed to have gotten back and he was wearing, I think, the same outfit. Like he had the mm, fair jacket point. on. Fair point. But... I would have assumed Sarah was watching Emma when he was out on his date because... Well, it was meant to just be a lunch date. Yeah, but I don't think the show's portraying him as like a neglectful or bad yeah, father. Yeah, I agree. But like, this point. I definitely don't think that's what, what what was happening here. Yeah. I don't know. So that's that's the only complaint I have for the show so far. Timeline's a little wonky. Yeah. So we're at breakfast uh, sometime in the future. Not, sometime after attempted suicide. But not... And in the future, but not too far in the future, just... And he's trying to get her to open up and talk to mm-hmm. him. He's fixing pancakes with strawberries. And she's like, I'm not hungry when he gives her her plate. Yeah, he's she's like, just slumped over the breakfast table. And he's like, well, you didn't eat last night either. And she was like, I wasn't hungry then either. And he's like, well, you gotta eat. Well, her boy's like, is it is it the new medication? Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm just not hungry. And he like keeps trying to talk to her, like get her to, getting her to open up. And then mm-hmm. she snaps at him. She's like, why is it always about me? Why can't like you talk about you or what you're doing? Or, you, you just don't have a life. And he's like, well, the main thing in my life is you to make sure you're okay. It's my job to like care about you and worry about you. And she basically just calls him a loser and that he doesn't have a life again. And they're kind of just sitting there for a moment. She's like, I wish your mother was still here. And she's like, God, gets up and walks away. Yeah. Well, it's it's really like because she's like, look, you're still you're still depressed and upset about uh, yeah. upset, and you you won't open up and talk about it yourself. Why should I? He's like, okay, well, I wish. At a point, I- he even says like. I have to be composed. I, it, I have to It's not your job to be ha- strong. handle my problems. It's my job to handle your problems. And she, she's like, you won't ever talk about your problems. Why should I talk about mine? And he's like, he sits there for a minute. And he's like, I wish your mother was still alive. He's like, he's opening up and talking about mm-hmm. his, his issues. And then she gets mad because, she's, because he actually did, did what she asked her. Yeah. He did what she asked him to do. Yes. English is hard. Mm-hmm. God. And then from here, we see him dropping Emma off at his Sarah's? sister-in-law's, Sarah's. Yeah. And he's apparently going on a date. And Sarah's just like, this will be great. Hopefully you have a good time. And she's like, don't worry about staying out too late or anything. We can keep him all night if we yeah. need to. And he's like, I don't think it's going to be like that. I think she's just wants to learn more English. And she's like, no, it's fine. He's like, no, her bummer profile says she just wants to practice English. Yep. And he, he drives to a mall where they're supposed mm-hmm. to meet. And while looking for a parking space, he sees this young, newly married couple mm-hmm. and their newborn baby. And he just has a breakdown in the parking lot. Yep. Honestly, super like emotional scene. Yep. It's shot in a very voyeuristic manner. It feels uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, it's it's very much an uncomfortable scene to watch. But I think that's clearly the point. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. We are seeing this man who has been struggling to be strong just break down over it's, a tiny thing. It's a very powerful scene. Mm-hmm. Very well done. This show is very good. Anyways. And then in the mall, he's on a date. And it's Date. literally she's literally just using him to learn English. She's like mm-hmm. now, te- like after they introduce each other and like he corrects some of her grammar, and she's just like, "Teach me." And he's like, "We're on a date." And she's like, "No," shakes her head, "No." And, and he like tries to explain it, and she's like, laughs a bit and goes, "No." And that then he like basically gives up on the date. Yeah. 
And as her and him are parting ways, saying goodbye, mm-hmm. Mary comes running through the mall with a glass of, with a cup of really hot, hot fucking coffee. Tea. Tea. It's chai. Yeah. yeah. And, and smashes into him. Yep. He yells like, fuck. And she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. And he's like, why is this so hot? You shouldn't be drinking this. Why do you keep doing this? Yeah. So she like grabs some pepper towels from like a nearby restaurant. And then we see them in a park and everything. And they're, they're kind sitting of just... next to each other mm-hmm. at a, on a park bench. Yeah. And she's got like a bag of meat. Yep. Like a clear, large plastic bag. And it's like tied shut. So it's like, it's almost like a small trash bag. It's akin to what you would get if you've ever gotten meat from like a butcher and you have ex- you have like large cuts of meat or it might be the scraps. Or if you get meat from any food production place like if you work in a restaurant like bags of meat it's a thing the only time i've seen bags like this i see them every day filled with chicken okay the only time i've seen bags like this in use was like in a dentist office or something where like they're, they're putting like bloody cloth and stuff it's a fish bag it's a bag you put a goldfish in but it's much bigger than that yeah 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 anyways they're talking and he's like did i do something wrong like the way you just ran away and then she's like no 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 it's me i I really like you. You're a really nice guy, but I have a lot of baggage. And she's like, I have baggage too. People have baggage. And she's like, I really don't think it's as bad as mine. And she's like, okay, fine. Let's do this. He's like, trauma dump <laughs> initiate. My daughter just tried to kill herself. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's because of stuff I've done. Because when her mother died, I just left her for six months. Mm-hmm. Like, I just pieced the fuck out because I couldn't be around anything that reminded me of Lisa. I left her house. I sent her to live. I, I took her over to my sister-in-law's. I, no, that's not how it reads. Yeah. He doesn't say that. He says he left, but Sarah took Emma in. Yeah. It sounds like he pieced the fuck out and left Emma, Sarah, and Lisa's family at the hospital, and he just left. Yeah, it's vague exactly how that situation was handled, but, like, yeah, no, he very much just, like, could not cope. Yeah, and he's like, so I think that's why my daughter tried to kill herself, because she's afraid I'm gonna leave again. And I'm pretty sure she hates me, so while she doesn't talk to me, uh, it's, I think it might even be why she has her anxiety attacks, because I failed as a father, like, I couldn't do the one thing I was supposed to do, and now I struggle to do it daily because she doesn't trust me anymore. And he opens up about like seeing that new that new couple in mm-hmm. uh, the parking lot. He's like, "That was supposed to be us, mm-hmm. like not not him and Mary, but like him and Lisa." Yeah. And then she got cancer and died. And he's like, "And I wouldn't even let Emma see her mom in the final weeks because it wasn't her mom anymore. She like got to the point where she wasn't even herself." Yeah, and I didn't want her to remember her mother that way. And I think she might hate me for that as well. And then Mary's like, oh, yeah, okay, so, uh, yeah, you got some serious baggage too, I guess. Yeah, and she vaguely explains what happened to her boyfriend, and that he was attacked yeah, they, by a they were feral animal. Yeah, they were backpacking in Europe, and a mm-hmm. werewolf in London attacked them, and he got he died, but she got bit and survived, and now she can't go back go home because she's a werewolf, and Chicago is a major metropolitan area. And also, she can't like make excuses to be to not be around people she knew because they're gonna be like, "Yo, why can't you hang out?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, I'm a werewolf, so I have to <laughs> lock myself in, in in my basement dungeon in Chicago." Yeah, that's why she moved. No, she really just moved because owning a basement dungeon in Chicago so expensive. Yeah, so um, it should be noted during the scene while they're talking, she has his car keys because she's cleaned them off because the fob is fucked up because she spilled tea all over it. Yeah, and then she does what she does. Mm-hmm. and well, take they do actually kiss here this time right yeah she kisses him yeah. yeah she kisses him and then she takes off running and mm-hmm. he just sits there for a couple minutes I'm like what the fuck and he's like oh shit she has my car keys so he's tr- running after calling her name and she looks back like wants sees him and runs harder she, and then she gets in her car and drives off 
So he hails a taxi and he's just like, follow that vehicle. And the guy's just like, do, do you know what's going on? He's like, no, just follow. And he's like, okay. It, it's, it's 2022, mate. Like, you shouldn't be following a woman like this. Yeah. He's like, mate, 2022. You can't be doing this. Yeah. And like the guy, the taxi driver like reasserts that idea several times on the drive, but never at any point in the taxi driver. It's just like, look, this is too weird. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to uh, help you stalk this woman. Mary blows through a stoplight mm-hmm. and Gary's like, look, we got to go after her. He's like, no, nah, dude, there's a, there's a stoplight. He's like, I'll pay you extra. He's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Not how that works, dude. You uh, really shouldn't be doing this anyways, man. They eventually catch up to her as she's like getting, in, she she pulls to a stop in front of her house. She's mm-hmm. getting out of her car. He's like, oh, that's her. Thanks, man. And he's like, dude, this is fucked up. And then, yeah. then the taxi driver drives off and he like goes up to her front gate, but doesn't like enter her yard or anything. Mm-hmm. And she turns around and sees him and she's like, the fuck you follow me? What the fuck is wrong with you? He's get like, out of here he's like you have my car keys also while she's doing this she, she's like carrying several cages of chicken inside and a, taking a goat inside and then she says something like well come on and he's like oh okay so he opens the she, gate she yells come on and uh, like he 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 sees that as an invitation mm-hmm. because honestly that's how it yeah. appeared and he follows her to the house and she's like opens her basement door and she's like chucking stuff down there chickens and, and a bag of meat and because the keys were in the same hand with the bag of meat chucks his keys down there mm-hmm. And she, she sees him at a point, and she's like, what the fuck are you doing in here, Gary? Get the fuck out. And he's like, you have my car keys. And she notices that she just threw them down, and she runs down to grab them, and then she realizes she doesn't have time. She kind of trips in, like, pain and growls, like, yeah, in her, pain. Yeah, her body convulses. She realizes she doesn't have time, so she runs back to the top of the stairs, slams the door, and she's like, I hope you like what you've done now, you asshole. And... Her house, which honestly, this answers a question I had in the in the first mm-hmm. episode, because in the first episode she locks that door, and we hear a lot of mechanical sounds. Well, I didn't like register the mechanical noises oh, I did. very much, but I was like, she never locked her door to her house; she just ran in. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, I get locking yourself in a basement, but what if somebody like notices your open door? Yeah, like, but it turns out when she initiates the lock on her basement door, the entire house enters lockdown mode and like still you know, shutters over the windows and the doors. And he's like, the fuck. And Gary's trapped inside. Like he tries to run out into the door, doesn't get to it in time, and we see a still shutter fall and because the front door is still open. So he, we see the he goes back to the kitchen, which is connected to the mm-hmm. has the basement door there, and we hear what sounds like a giant monster because she's a werewolf now. Yeah, growling, and that's the end of the episode. Yep, we don't actually get a werewolf reveal here, although she is definitely a werewolf. That's the end of episode two. Which yeah. means, if you're interested in watching this se- series, there are four more episodes after mm-hmm. this, and that's the end of season one. I should mention, the show has not been picked up for a season two yet, although, based on what I was reading, season two is likely to happen. So Cool, cool. It is a six-episode miniseries. From 2022. Just mm-hmm. started in January, I think. Yeah. I'll be honest, I, I did watch the rest of this show after this. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't watched the rest of it yet. I probably will yeah. at some point. And honestly, I enjoyed the show overall, like, very much so. And... Honestly, this next interaction after, like, in the beginning of episode three, great. I love it. I enjoy the subtleness of the storytelling of the show. Very much so. It's actually hilarious it's how a... subtle that they manage to yeah. be when the show is literally, like, titled, Hey, Look, a Werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> it is a breath of fresh air. But I mainly just mentioned that I watched this, this because in classic fashion of we don't have a lot of money, we don't get a werewolf reveal, like, physically see on screen until episode six. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, which by the time we were, by the time I was getting there, was like, okay, it's episode four. Yep, no werewolf. We're not gonna have one in episode five. Episode six, we'll see the werewolf not long. Briefly, that's how these shows work. I think even my favorite show with werewolves spends a lot of time like Holds shooting around through, yeah, shooting around the concept of a werewolf. 
because it costs so much money if you're doing it in computer visual effects or like visual effects with a puppet or whatever. It costs a lot of money both times. They actually do it in episode two in Being Human. They, I, I, it just feels like they very strongly... I think they show it like once there, but we don't see a lot of it in Being Human because most of it's Josh. Not until season two and three when, when they had a larger budget. Yeah, because a lot of it in the beginning is Josh ignoring the werewolf thing, so... Yeah, we see uh, more struggling with Sally's the concept. Sally's the first one to like. Yeah. We see. Who, anyways, I'm gonna stop talking about being human. That's the best supernatural show ever made, including supernatural in that argument. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, we've already done this part before, though, which makes it really hard for me to get interested in supernatural dramas about dealing with the idea of being. Yeah, like I, it's a, that's a very specific niche genre. <laughs> But, like, it's actually populated way more than you would think. And being human is the best example of the genre. And every time I see another show trying to do the genre, I'm like, yeah, but, like... You're not being human, though. I would say the thing this show does better than being human is the subtleness of it. Yes. Being human always feels like a show. Very much so. Like, it's very good. And there's nothing wrong with a TV show feeling like a TV show. But the conversations and the way characters interact in Wolf Like Me feels much more natural yes than some of the interactions in being human mm-hmm. like so there's a thing that we didn't really talk about that i found kind of intriguing and a bit the most odd thing that didn't feel very much like it it felt very out of place mm-hmm. but it, it's meant to it, in the bar when they're doing stuff with their date mary is like way too into music at points well i, I we, we glossed over it but there's a part where she's talking about the artist they're listening to melody gardo i didn't know who that was but apparently melody gardo got into an automobile accident mm-hmm. and like basically had to relearn how to live yeah and, and during that during that she was trained to sing because she was having trouble communicating mm-hmm. and like, that's how melody gardo became a famous singer yeah. because part of her rehab was learning to sing and like without that accident which effectively reset who melody gardo was because of the amount of brain damage she yep. suffered there would never be the award-winning artist melody gardot and so like it kind of feels like mary's like hey look yeah i wrecked into you but like it could be for the better you yeah. never you never really know how things are going to turn out until after they, they're done yeah there's that but she also has really visceral reactions to the music throughout it like the melody gardot song starts it's very much like oh this song and like immediately vibes to it but like weirdly like swaying within and stuff like it's just kind of awkward to watch when you have josh gad on the other side just sitting there like okay and her on the other side just vibing to music no it's not it's not that awkward you have to go back to the you have to go back to the quote that it was music that tamed the beast yeah to calm the beast i don't know how that quote goes something like that i'm, I'm terrible with quotes don't quote me it on was that. beauty that killed the beast not what i was talking about but yeah <laughs> it was beauty that killed the beast that's, so, that's king kong right i think so yeah 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 but also the most television aspect of the show is when Mary's booking her way home. And I think there's another point in episode two, if I remember correctly, where she is narrating to herself, basically. Yeah. A Dear Adelaide conversation about her own life. So it's yeah, that's when talking she... about her own problems. No, that's episode one when she's running home. Mm-hmm. There's not one episode two then. No, there's not one okay, episode two. I couldn't two. remember. It's episode one when she's running home. Yeah. Because the Dear Adelaide is like, Dear Adelaide, um, I have left everything I knew behind and got myself involved with a man I shouldn't have been involved with. And he's really nice and everything, but I'm not good for him. And like then she's like, it sounds like you're trying to run away from all your problems. And the thing about running away from your problems is you can never actually outrun them. At some point, you're going to have to turn and face the issues in your life and actually resolve them. And like she's actually giving herself great advice yeah. and then just ignoring it as she mm-hmm. books to her basement. Yeah. Anyways, I think 
yeah, the show's very good. Mm-hmm. I can't hammer home how good the subtle like character building is. Yeah, it's fantastic. Obviously, I would I would watch more of it. You've already said you've watched all mm-hmm. of it. So if you think the show sounds like something you're interested in, you'll have to watch it on Peacock. That's the only place to watch it in America. Yeah. Honestly, if your internet service provider isn't Comcast and didn't give it to you for free, I don't know how you get Peacock. I've never looked into it. Yeah. If you're one of those weird people, though, that have Peacock to, like, watch WWE, yeah, stop because, doing that because that's and only, watch Wolf Like Me. Because that's the only way you can access the WWE Network anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, Look, I'm the one that mentioned wrestling first this time. Congratulations. I was actually going to make a reference to that when I was talking about Stan Network, because apparently when Stan Network launched and got universal streaming rights for Peacock and affiliated networks mm-hmm. in Australia, they became the sole proprietor for wrestling for WWE wrestling streams in australia yeah so i was gonna mention it because like the only reason people buy peacock is for wwe network yeah i've seen so many people talk about you only using peacock for wwe i'm just like it's like man that peacock or the office it's like wwe network or the office that's the only reason people buy peacock from what i can understand yeah but peacock actually has like wolf like me was good um i'm pretty sure you can watch ap bio on there which was a pretty good like comedy so if you haven't already bought peacock for your wrestling needs i don't know how you're gonna go about getting it Sure, you can Google it. Yeah. Otherwise, just think of pirating. No. I'm no, not saying not. you should. I'm just saying there are websites out there where you can definitely watch the show for not buying Peacock. Yeah, definitely that. We just don't say the P word. Peacock? Yeah, not allowed to say it. Okay, my bad. Anyways, thank you for flying with us. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email us at copilotsreview at gmail.com. You can tweet us at copilotsreview. Or you can check us out at copilotsreview.simplecast.com, where you can find a link to our email, our Twitter, our Discord, and our YouTube. And our second email? No, that's not on there. <laughs> that's right. We have a hidden second email. I we mentioned it somewhere in a show. I always forget that joke. But yeah, we have a second email. But feel free to contact us, rate and review us wherever you listen to us. If you review us, we will eventually read that review out on the podcast. Yeah. Talk to a friend. Refer us in physical form to a friend. I don't want to... someone else if you think they'd enjoy our stuff. I don't want to dive too much because we're trying to wrap the show up. Like, that's how I found most of the podcast I like. Yeah. Somebody was like, hey, dude, I think you would like this podcast. And I was like, hey, dude, I like this podcast. Yeah, that's not how I found most of mine, but yeah. So thanks again for flying with us. Please fly again soon.